but like I play this like while I'm watching TV because it's something to do with my hands. And like <laughs> that's why I started knitting. Yeah. Because I, I was like, well, I need something better than that. If I'm sitting on the couch, I can I can be knitting or I can be stuffing food in my face. That was a waste of a cold open. No, it was not. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Video games have played a very important part of our lives, including... uh, (laughs) My shitty freemium games. uh, Yeah, your your love of of freemium games. And also, uh, they have been an active contributor to why I'm so fucking exhausted today. (laughs) Because I was like, well, I was like, well, Sam and Sarah coming over at 11 a.m. I was like... I can stay up until 6 o'clock playing Stardew Valley. Why not? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I went to bed at 5. Did you stay up? I didn't mean to. I've been having, like, this is far more information that I'm sure anyone is interested in. That's fine. Uh, I've been having these, like, crazy low blood sugars mm-hmm. for some because I've been eating better and dieting. And so recently I've been having trouble falling asleep because usually when it happens is either right before bed or right when I wake up in the morning. Right, because you're fasting. Yeah. And so uh, I was like laying in bed last night and I was like just about to fall asleep. And I was like, I can tell my blood sugar is low. I can just feel it. And I was like, there's, and I, there was a, there's the way I can always tell Mm -hmm. is that I was laying there and I was like, well, maybe my blood sugar is low, but I'm so tired. I'm sure it's fine. I'll just go to sleep. And I was like, oh, that's like the telltale sign that my body is getting ready to like lay down and die. And I was like, I should get up (laughs) and have a Snickers. Um, Yeah. So that was my night last night. And you really took that ad campaign to heart. I did. I am basically the Betty White of my bedroom. (laughs) Just have a Snickers. Um, Yeah. So basically last night I was just laying in bed trying desperately to find the strength to get up and come out and have like a glass of orange juice and some peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, Which normally like when my blood sugar is fine is not much of a challenge. I will get up gladly <laughs> to come and get orange juice and some peanut butter. And then it's my like, endocrinologist will be like, don't do that. I can hold in this pee for like four hours. It's fine. I kind of want a snack though. <laughs> okay. Well, if I'm getting up to get the snack, I might as well pee. Yeah, exactly. The, the snacks are the only motivator. <laughs> I, I am one of those people that once I'm in bed, it's like, I can't get out of the bed for any reason or I have lost the fight. I have insomnia like real bad. Mm. So, like, the second my head is on the pillow, it's like, if I move, it's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if I move, sleep wins. Stay like, perfectly still. Yeah, basically. like <laughs> Your brain is a T-Rex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you it's just like, can't you My can't insomnia's move. visual acuity is based on movement. <laughs> <laughs> well, spooky salutations, yes. kids. Welcome to another mm-hmm. mini-sode of my Spooky Gay family. We are very excited because today we are talking about <laughs> everything nothing, trivial in our lives. Nothing related to what we were just talking about. <laughs> 
It's so stupid. I can never. I'm like, we will never, ever, ever start on topic. Start on topic. No, I don't ever. think it'll ever happen. And we've tried. We have actually yeah, tried. Yeah, no, like, I, I want to be clear. Like, we have, like, outlines and shit. Like, we, we know, like, kind of a vague idea of what we want to talk about. And for some reason, it always just goes off the rails the second the fucking theme music ends. <laughs> I know. And, like, in the Minisodes case before. So I know. <laughs> well, and that's uh, that I think is part of the problem because it's like uh, you have like the entire intro to be like thinking yeah. about other bullshit. And then when we come back, I'm like, here's the bullshit I've been thinking about for a minute and a half. It's like, sorry, my brain went off and like jumped on some playground equipment for a little while. Let's talk about that. <laughs> like, so, yes, today we are not talking no. about video games or my diabetes or anything else. Um, today we are actually talking about. It, it is, I would argue, kind of a subset of one of the other subsets we have here in the minisodes. <laughs> it's almost movies that made us gay because they clearly I mean, did. Some of them are yeah. without question. I would say most of them for me. Uh, but they are not actively homosexual in nature. Yeah, it's not like it's not like the Birdcage or yeah. Clue that are like gay cult films. These are are films that more at least for me inspired my sense of humor and it yeah. i think it it speaks a lot to <clears throat> what i find funny and why i find it funny would you agree um i definitely would if nothing else like i i look at these movies as kind of the the first instinct of like you know we've we've said over and over again that we we can have entire conversations in movie quotes and i think that it is a direct result of having watched these films specifically as i would agree 100% so <laughs> and the movies that we are talking about are... Uh, Thank you, Mel Brooks. <laughs> the Mel Brooks movies. <laughs> they, it's like, he is just one of those iconic directors that created basically a genre for himself yeah. in kind of mainstream parody film. And it was like, so much of it was comedy and so much of it was parody and it, it kind of blurs the lines of like where the parody ends and where the original comedy Starts and I think that that was kind of the brilliance of of writers like Mel Brooks and Sid Caesar and people of kind of the golden age of comedy yeah. and TV. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're talking about. We are talking, yeah, talking about, about Mel, Brooks. Mel Brooks and and, and his, his wonderful movies. movies. Uh, I happen to love Mel Brooks mostly because I love like the borscht belt slapstick yeah. style of comedy. <laughs> I love like. I love like physical farce. Yeah, and it's so much so much of it is is physical comedy. Like when you watch fucking like even in some of the later movies, like when you see like fucking little John fall off the bridge into like <laughs> Oh shit. And it's, it's it's this like tiny little stream. <laughs> Like, like, like it's 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 so many so much of it is sight gags and, and he, so much of it is like even in that moment he like falls off the yeah. thing and then he gets up and he's like I can see and yeah. then he turns and runs into a tree yeah. and he's like no I was wrong yeah no, it's, <laughs> it's just and I I mean like Robin Hood Men in Tights is is the first movie I think of because I think it's the first one that Dad had us watch. Like, because Dad was very probably. I mean, we were very insistent that we watched these movies. You know, what's funny. I think some of his older movies weren't like nuanced enough for us to have watched them. Like, you watch History of the World Part One yeah. or Blazing Saddles, and it's like widely inappropriate for children of a young age. But then, if I mean, you watch, fair. if you watch like. <laughs> uh, 
but it's an everlast. <laughs> I know, but that's but that's what I'm saying. It's like the the dirty yeah, humor was it, more. It overt. was a little bit more like over your head. Yeah, in in the in the films in the '90s, like Dracula Dead and Loving It and Robin Hood Men in Tights, yeah. it was kind of it was more implicated, and it 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 was still like in Dracula Dead Loving It, Leslie Nielsen's shadow is like humping that woman's well, shadow yeah. up against the wall, like <laughs> unambiguously humping it like, like, i mean i think that dad is just fair. i think dad just had some blind spots when it came to mel brooks i mean he certainly did I, but dad had a lot of blind spots when when we were kids like he never really shied away from showing us movies no, and that, i want to be clear that i don't think that that's a bad thing like i'm actually no. kind of weirdly grateful that i got to see this like as a kid because I do think it shaped my sense of humor, like, in a big way. Yeah. Um, particularly um, Dracula Dead and Loving It <laughs> and Young Frankenstein. Because oh, yeah. those are the two horror ones. So, like, me, burgeoning horror fan, went immediately, like, I want the monster movies because the monster movies are the best. Yeah, absolutely. And even in that same vein... Rob Luca. <laughs> <laughs> In that same vein, movies like uh, like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, yeah, you know, same, uh, same vibe, same vibe, different different, different. style, but <laughs> <laughs> different. Um, we'll say time period. <laughs> yeah, although I don't think there was anything particularly uh, off color about. No, it's it's not that. It's just um, I mean, the Abbott and Costello movies are like twenty. I think it's t- like 20 years before. I mean, they were made in like the 30s or 40s. Yeah, exactly. So, like- so you're talking <laughs> probably for most of Mel Brooks yeah. films. I mean, Mel Brooks started making movies, I think, in the late 60s. So you're talking like yeah, 30 or like, 40 years. Exactly. But that, that was my point. It's, it's that kind of like, there's stuff obviously that Mel Brooks does in his movies that Abbott and Costello never could have done in theirs. Yeah. But like, it's a similar it's a similar feel. Like mm. the, the, the spirit is the same, we'll yeah. say. I I can't remember what Mel Brooks's first like movie was. Was his breakout movie The Producers? I'm honestly not sure. I will also totally admit that like I I refuse to do research for Oh, I did videos, absolutely so I none. apologize. To and everyone. we are in no way experts. No. We're just talking about this cuz we like <laughs> Cuz we, we we love Mel Brooks. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I want to say the first one like the first one that did really well I want to say was Blazing Saddles. But I'm not 100 percent clear on that. Yeah, I can't remember. Like, I feel like I feel first. like Blazing Saddles is pretty early in the filmography. I'm, but yeah, I I actually think you're right because I'm if I'm not mistaken, he found, uh, or he started working with Gene Wilder because of Blazing Saddles. So yeah. he, that would have been before the producers. Um, do you have like, do you have like a personal? absolute favorite i know you said you like the monster ones like uh like dracula dead and loving it and young frankenstein it's it's so hard like i I, know it was blazing saddles it was blazing saddles then young frankenstein and then like silent movie and high anxiety and then it keeps going wait Um, young frankenstein came before the producers yes according to imdb yes unless i just read it wrong but that um, that seems odd to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will recheck. You don't have to recheck. No, I know. It's I'm, fine. I'm already in there. But um, um, I, it is difficult for me personally 
to kind of pick it. No, I'm sorry. The producers was first. The producers. I think Blazing Saddles did better than the producers. The movie. The original I could have movie. sworn that I, I watched a, a documentary that said that. Um, oh, wrong. maybe he brought in Gene I Wilder totally because be he had worked on the producers with him first. I can't yeah. remember. It, it was such a long time. No, ago I think I it was. I think it. I think he brought him in for Blazing Saddles because of the producers. That's entirely possible. But um, but I I could have sworn I was like I thought the producers was one of his earlier films. That it was is kind one of his, his earlier breakout. films. I, I don't mean, know that it did particularly well. I, I think don't it think of, it did. Uh, and like, I, I know that it was always of, contentious. I think of Blazing Saddles as kind of the first movie that that feels really like a Mel Brooks movie. Like, yeah, the, way the producers I think is it. much different in style from yeah. his later films. And I would argue, like, <clears throat> like I, I love Zero Mostel and mm-hmm. I, I love Gene Wilder. I do think that the producers worked better as a musical than I it agree. did as just a straight film. <laughs> and I think um, that that was why <laughs> Young Frankenstein, the musical, didn't have the same well. punch. Well, and it's because, because it's better as a movie. Yeah, yeah. The the producer's film was a great film, but the musical, oh, it almost felt like that was what it was supposed to be all yeah, along. Yeah, it's like it was, it was just sitting there waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And when it did, it was a perfect storm. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like you, you have you have a play within the play in the even in the film, the producers, where you have someone singing "Springtime for Hitler." <laughs> like, like it clearly just needs. To, it's fine. It's totally I know fine. it. It's meant to be <laughs> musicalized. But I would say it, it's like you said. I have a really hard time picking a favorite Mel Brooks movie because like so I'm many still of them. Thinking. I'm having a hard time. I think the reason it's so difficult is that. It spans so many genres. Because, and they're all so good. Yeah, he's he's doing parodies. So it's like, why why, why would it be easy for me to pick one? Yeah. Because there's so many different options. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I will it's say... Like pick your favorite ice cream topping. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> but I like Butterfingers on my sprinkles. Exactly. Uh, I think if I absolutely had to choose, though, I think I would probably go with History of the World Part 1. Really? I think it's my favorite one. I think that it's the one I watch the most mm. now as an adult. Like, I'll watch that one over and over and over again. Yeah, I I get that. I mean, I will say I love History of the World Part 1. There are some really amazing <laughs> moments in it. I'm just living for Madeline Kahn. Like, like, <laughs> it's like, like, I'll be totally honest with you. Like, I'm just living for Madeline Kahn. I mean, I live for Madeline Kahn in any movie. <laughs> But I think I actually think the most memorable moment (laughs) from that movie for me is when she when uh, they're in France Mm -hmm. and the revolutionary is like this to King Louis (laughs) (laughs) and they all repeat it. Yeah, no, but see, she doesn't even. That's not even the best line from her though. It's just we are so poor, we don't even have a language. Just this stupid accent. (laughs) Like, like like that is like that's the best line in the whole movie. Like, Like I know. Uh, Apart from everything Empress Nympho says, but that's fine. Yeah, Empress, and Empress Nympho. Yes, <laughs> who is the battling <laughs> Um I will say also the Inquisition musical number. Like, like there's just like I can't like that's the problem. That's why I can't pick. I can't even pick my favorite part of the movie I chose. I know. Like, it's fine. <laughs> uh, I think I while I do love History of the World Part One. I think, and I hate to say this because I'm going to say it and then go, oh, but what about this one? Uh, I think my favorite is uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. That's totally that's totally valid. Dracula Dead and Loving It is one of, I, I think, I probably my top three. 
Oh, absolutely. It And I don't know if it's because we saw it, like that was one of the first ones dad yeah. showed us, or if it's <laughs> if it actually is like as good as I remember it being. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> This is Renfield. Like just, like just Renfield alone. <laughs> he flies. I don't. He flies. I, I don't. don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that that was probably. I think Dracula Dead and Loving It is probably the first movie that we like all of our siblings could like quote at each other. Yeah. And then, like, ten years later, I learned what an enema was, and, you know, it put a whole different spin I know. on that movie. <laughs> no, not another enema. Yes, another and another, until you come, come to, to your senses. senses. I still love that. Give him an enema. It'll give him a sense of accomplishment. <laughs> what? <laughs> and his, and his, Harvey Corman was great he, in that oh, movie. He was amazing. He's yeah. good in everything. Like, yeah. like, like it's... Like, I, there's no one in, and we talked about this in Clue, too, where it's like, there's just, there's so many good character actors in these movies that it's really honestly difficult to, like, it's difficult to keep a straight face, because as soon as they walk on screen, you know it's going to be funny. Yeah. Because, like, you know, if, you, if you've seen Blazing Saddles, and if you've seen this, like, you know that when, when he opens his mouth, it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. So, like... You're laughing before the joke's even told. Like, <laughs> I know. And especially with like the the key players like yeah. Madeline Kahn and Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have these kind of recurring characters, character actors yeah. who just kind of become like absolute favorites. You can't. It's like you don't want to see a Mel Brooks movie without them. Yeah. And that I think is the saddest part of the Mel Brooks movies that came out in like the 90s is that we we lost Madeline Kahn. Yeah, we, were, we had Madeline Kahn taken from us. I know. <laughs> and and the fact it, that Madeline Kahn isn't in Robin Hood Men in Tights is like I know. She the the role of Maid Marian was like written for her. <laughs> it, it it and and that is not a knock against the actress who no, played her. No, not at all. She She's excellent. really great and is yeah. also great in Dracula Dead and Loving It cuz yeah. she plays yeah. she plays Mina. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh, so these. Robin. Sorry. If it were you twould be Terrific. <laughs> but like, and and that's the thing. It's like, it's like, yeah, no. If that movie had been made, you know, twenty years earlier, that would have been Madeline Kahn. Like, there's no, oh, there's no question at all. It would have yeah. been Madeline Kahn. Even even like fifteen years earlier. Yeah, like maybe like, even ten. Who knows? She, <laughs> I'm so I'm so angry with myself for not knowing this actress's name. But like, she, she does I such know. a wonderful job. And like, she's in a she's in Dracula Dead and Loving It. Like, she kind of took over that 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 repertory role. Yeah, she kind of filled the and slot when Madeline Kahn did an amazing away. job. Like, like, is totally different, but is also great. But, yeah, no, like, I, I I, do think I'm going to stick with my earlier, kind of stick with my guns, and it was just, it was every time I saw Madeline Kahn on screen, I just start laughing immediately. I know. Because like, she had a way <laughs> of, like, giving a look that, like... She broke the fourth wall in the best possible way. Yeah, but <laughs> even when she's not breaking the fourth wall, it was like there was something so like stern and focused about her gaze that like it never betrayed itself. It no, was always, it was always <laughs> like completely deadpan. Yeah, and you knew that like the second her mouth opened, it was just good. It was going to be the best thing ever. I know. Like <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> tired of playing the it's game. It's twoo. It's twoo. <laughs> From the waist down, I, everything is kaput. Yes. 
Uh, and it's Amy Yazbek, it by is the Amy way. Yazbek. It is and, the woman and who played good, Marion. Good Maid fucking Marian. on you. I know, and she's so talented. I loved her in that. I loved her in uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. And I remember as a kid watching, (laughs) this is going to sound so stupid, Look Who's Talking To, the one. uh, (laughs) That's a wonderful movie. That's the talking dogs, the the babies. Yeah, yeah. And she plays um, the woman who's like trying to sleep with John Travolta. Ah, okay. Uh, and she was like the villain. And I yeah. was like, I was like, oh my God, it's Maid Marian. I was like, she's not British. She's a slut. <laughs> <laughs> Someone get the Everlast. You leave John Travolta alone. <laughs> not that I think uh, I don't he think was she ever had in much danger. Anyway, but it's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, but that is kind of the beauty of the Mel Brooks movies is that it had basically a repertory and people kind of came in and out. Yeah. And, uh, and Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman. And, uh, uh, there was, I mean, there were so many people that Gene came Wilder in. came in and out too, but like, yeah, Gene Wilder popped in and out. And he also wrote Young yeah. Frankenstein, which yes, is crazy to me that, uh, Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> They told me it was Frankenstein. Well, they were wrong, weren't they? Where did you get this brain? Oh, uh, Abby someone. <laughs> Abby, Abby who? Normal. Abby normal. That's also someone <laughs> who popped in and out was yeah, Marty Feldman. Yes, the, who was the amazing. actor who played Igor. Um, and that was what I meant to say before. Yeah. It was, uh, they told me it was Igor. Well, they were wrong, weren't they? Yeah. He had the <laughs> most like, bizarre <laughs> eyes. He looked like a pug. He did. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is like they do that bit in one, one of the things I love about Mel Brooks movies is you see it parodied in other things. Like, because we were little kids in the 90s, so we were yeah. watching cartoons and stuff. Like, Tiny Toon Adventures did parodies of Mel Brooks all the time. Mel Brooks and Abbott like, and Costello. Like, yeah, and Abbott and Costello all the fucking time. Like, like they were they were parodying parodies. Yeah, it's in layered. A, in a kid-friendly way. Like, it's very meta. And I don't, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very weary because I know I complain yeah. all the fucking time about how they don't do this anymore. I don't watch cartoons yeah. or... or things like that anymore so for all I know they might actually be doing it but that was the thing I loved about Looney Tunes and and Tiny Tunes and those uh, cartoons is that they they were there was something for everyone there was the there was the humor for the kids and there was the humor for the adults as an adult this past Halloween I watched Tiny Tunes Night Ghoulery I know I was with you it was amazing. It was. It was. Still, like, it was. Like, it was just as funny. That's what I was gonna say. I was like, it held up. Like <laughs> really as a thirty-two-year-old person, I was like, wow, even this just, is still even funny. Even just watching Plucky do a William Shatner impression for a half hour. <laughs> There's <laughs> something on the <laughs> wing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, back to Mel Brooks. Um, back to Mel Brooks. I, f- I feel like if we ever actually have a T-shirt for this podcast, it's just gonna say "But anyway, dot dot dot." But anyway, <laughs> like, <laughs> like it won't be any of the funny shit we say. It's gonna be that. I know this you thing know? that doesn't matter. <laughs> this at thing that all. doesn't matter at all. Um, One thing that I like about the idea of there being this like troop of like Brooksian actors Mm -hmm. is that I've always been drawn to things like that. Like you look at things like like the Christopher Guest movies. It's the same kind of I mean, though it is much different in style and Mm -hmm. in production because those movies have a lot of improvisation and and things like that. I love that kind of ensemble. We're going to come together and just make this as good as we fucking can. And I feel like it's something you don't see as much of these days. I feel like I know this is going to be a really weird analogy, but just hear me out. (laughs) 
Okay. So for anyone who doesn't watch baseball, brief explanation. There used to not be free agency, which meant that a team basically owned your contract until you stopped playing. And the only way you were going to switch teams would be to get traded. Really? Yes. Then free agency I've been traded to Racine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But once free agency came about, you had players moving around a lot more because they were following the money as well. They should. And I'm not trying to diss free agency, but I feel like something kind of similar happened with movies. Where it's, you used to have these sort of groups of creators that used to work together all the time Mm -hmm. and were really comfortable with each other and knew what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. And I feel like it's gone more toward sort of, like, the movie is centered around one person. It's not centered around a group of people. Yeah. It it feels less like a team sport, so to speak. But that was the beauty of the Mel Brooks movies and of the Christopher Guest movies. It's like, here's this ensemble. And... They all had so many talents, but they did have their strengths. And so it's like you saw these different talents come out in different ways, but they were always kind of yes. they were always kind of filling their spot in the ensemble. But like that's one of the reasons that like I actually really liked the most recent Oceans movie. Oh, I haven't seen it. Um it was actually really good. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was really well done. Is that Oceans Eight? I think it's I think it was Oceans Eight. I always lose the number, but it was the one where yeah, they I did can. the all female cast. Yeah. Like I I know. <laughs> no, I it's listen. Fine. I loved. I loved the new Ghostbusters. I, just, I thought it was funny. Kate Blanchett. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but like, I loved it, and I think it, like, and I felt kind of the same way about the Ghostbusters remake. And I'm turning off Twitter now, um, <laughs> because like when you have a couple people who are all kind of at the same level of talent and the same level of experience. Obviously with some variation, but like when you're not focusing it on one fucking person and everybody kind of gets their moment, like the movie just feels better. Like, yeah. like it's funnier. Like I'm not I'm not getting sidetracked from stuff that I think is more interesting because we're spending time with everybody. Yeah. Like when you watch a movie where, you know, when like when you watch the Die Hard movies, like it's one of those things. It's like, oh, I don't know. Kind of interested in what that guy's doing. Do we yeah. have to follow John McClane? It's like, yeah, we do. <laughs> But it's just, and it's just a different style. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I happen to like ensemble movies a lot better, I think, than sort of star-driven vehicles. I do, I do too. And I will say that, like, ensemble, ensemble films have, like, stars in them. Yeah. But it's Sometimes not about... many. Um, oftentimes many. Yeah. Like Clue. Yeah. But you, the... You and I come from the same kind of background, which is like we were the theater dorks, yeah. and the the whole and we were character actors, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> like, the whole idea. I didn't get any leading roles. Okay, <laughs> I, I did. Well, strangely, yeah, but you got but the good one though. Which one? Rumors. Oh yes, but you, you got your Wadsworth moment. I was so I proud was, of you. I was not <laughs> technically the star of the show. This is yeah. something I go on about all <clears throat> the fucking time. I had so many directors look at me in high school and they would say, uh, like, I actually had one director who I loved. He was one of my favorite teachers I ever had in my entire, like, Mm -hmm. scholastic career. (laughs) But he looked at me and he was like, he was like, I didn't give you the lead in this show because this person, you're going to go on to do bigger things and you will have these moments. This person will never have that moment. So I'm giving it to them. And like... It's hard to, like, in the moment, it it felt very 
kind of him to say yeah. so. But now I'm 32 and I'm like, well, I haven't had that moment. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have though. Like it just wasn't in the way you expected. It's not even that. Like I'm not even saying drag versus theater. I'm yeah. just saying. In, in terms of like, like the whole thing was I said to him, I was like, you know, it kind of sucks. I was like, I've always been like the theater kid. And it's like, I'm going to be the theater human. Yeah. And I was like, I've never, I, I, it, I was like, as, as shallow as it sounds, I was like, I've never gotten to have like the last bow. And I would yeah. love to have the last bow. And he was like, well, this person's never going to get that if I don't give it to them now. And I like, that makes sense to me. And it's a totally fair point. I guess it's just hard because I'm, I am a character actor. So I'm kind of not really destined to ever get the last bow. At the risk of getting <clears throat> at the risk of getting personal and at the risk of like totally going off board, but whatever, we're already there. Um I also did theater in high school. Yeah. Um and I also never got the last bow and yeah. I did want it. Yeah. Everybody does. But then my senior year we did a show and it was an ensemble show you were in it <laughs> called the baseball show. Mm, yes. And I I had something of an epiphany after that show. Because when I walked out after the first night, one of the other cast members' own mother walked past her to tell her to tell me how funny I was. Walked right past her. That's so like rude. <laughs> And I felt so bad for her in the moment. Like I felt so bad. Oh. But like it was one of those things where I'm like, it doesn't matter if I got the last bow because when I walked out on stage to take it, the entire audience started roaring. I know. And so it's like Yeah. The character actor is one of those, it's one of those great things where it's like, yeah, no, I don't get top billing. But at the same time, like if I really commit, I can steal the show. Yes, I I have such mixed feelings on this because it's like my argument is not that like I, I am well aware of the vanity Mm-hmm. in me that drives me to want the last <laughs> bow and that is all it is it is just vanity there's no there's no reason for me to need the final bow because it's like you said when i played lenny in rumors i got a like i had so many people come up to me to tell me like how wonderful the performance was and how much they enjoyed it and like it was not it was not in any way a bad experience it's just that idea of like well if this is the best thing you can get i want to have it yeah and i guess i always have had that drive in me to have that no but even when you see someone like like jim carrey who is you know a consummate character actor and then he's like i want to do an andy kaufman movie (laughs) and i want to do the majestic and it's like why and it's like it's a vanity project there's no question that it's a vanity project yeah like uh fucking melissa mccarthy just did a super serious movie about like a fraud perpetrator and it's like you're melissa mccarthy like <laughs> like we're going are, to are you talking about identity thief yeah uh yeah I, like, although identity thief was a very funny movie i'm sure it was but it, it was it's like, like super, but it was super such funny. a departure then honestly from, like, i would say the biggest departure for melissa mccarthy was tammy did you see tammy no i didn't oh my god i it was like I'm fine. almost I'm fine. unpleasant oh, that's true. <laughs> but like but anyway back to mel brooks i know Sorry. <laughs> now that you know our theater history <clears throat> yeah i mean um, <laughs> I, but that's what I loved about these movies is that everyone got their moment to shine. And, and it's I think something it, I've fought with like other drag queens in New York yeah. City about when I've produced shows with them, and it namely one in specific, that I I was like, I had a conversation with this person and I said, you know, my background, where I was going yeah. with that originally was that my background is in theater. It, the whole idea is that everyone comes together to put together this, this great effort. thing and everyone gets the benefit. Yeah. And this... 
this person, person said to me, they were like, this oh, bitch. and they're a theater person too. They have a theater background. And they were like, oh, that's not how I operate. They're like, anything I can do to like steal the scene, I will. And I was like, that is the scariest person to be on stage with because they will throw you under the bus so fast yeah. that like. You don't it, care if the show is good. You only care if you're good. You, exactly. Yeah. And if that's how you feel, I don't want to be on stage with you. And you can tell <laughs> that a group like the Christopher Guest group or the group like the feeling Mel kind of Brooks. I mentioning stealing the show earlier. But um, <laughs> in, a, in a considerate way. Listen, you yeah. can steal the show without being a detriment to it. No. There's and a, you can there's steal the show without being without doing it at the expense of other people. Exactly. Just giving a good performance yeah. does be, not make you a bad person. Being good doesn't make you an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, but doing it with the intention of stealing focus from other people is absolutely terrible. Yes. That is what I will say about it. But th- that's what I love about Mel Brooks's movies is that these ensemble casts had a way of hiring these amazing yeah. actors in a script that was so immaculately written. I mean, Mel Brooks is one of the smartest writers ever, I think, in film. And also one of the most progressive <clears throat> He was progressive. I mean, you look at Blazing Saddles. That is a progressive movie. Like, seriously. It was like 40 years ahead of its time. (laughs) Like, there are still people (laughs) arguing about whether or not that movie is offensive. I mean, I'm sure that on its face it is. But if you're not someone who... Context is important. (laughs) Context is important. And also, not for nothing, I think irony and satire are a language. And some people just don't speak it. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, that's fair. I get that. But... There are people who can write something and and do like something that hustlers, I hustlers, hustlers, this bull dykes, Methodists, <laughs> like, like, like just going through this fucking list. I'm sorry. And that's the thing. That's that for me. Mel Brooks was the person. You and I have talked a lot yeah. about this. Where it's like you and I have had conversation about also, he intention and Bancroft. Yeah, and good for him. I know. I miss Anne Bancroft. I do too. Also, like honestly, I I. When she when she passed away, mm-hmm. like I was like, oh, that's sad. I like Dan Bancroft, and then I saw a picture of Mel Brooks like at her funeral, and I'm like, I'm devastated. I know he looks broken. He loved like her I'm not so okay much. with this. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm feeling things. Damn it. Like, God damn it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. his son wrote World War Z, and I know, and how the, how to survive the zombie apocalypse, which are two of my very favorite horror parody things ever. Yeah. I mean, World War Z is not so much a parody. It's actually a really frightening book. Yeah. But <laughs> and that is what I've heard. Whole family's talented. Sorry. You were saying. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, how could you have Mel Brooks for a father and Anne Bancroft for a mother and not come out having like an insane amount of talent? Fucking right. Like Anne Bancroft, <laughs> one of the best actresses yes, ever. Incredible. So And also in a Mel Brooks movie. Yeah. Thank you. The other good reason for Damn it, take the cross. <laughs> That'll be 15 cutbacks. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Mel Brooks is also the reason that I can, like, even passably do accents. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. And I think a lot of his doing that stems from his time on the Sid Caesar show. Yeah. Because Sid Caesar was considered, like, the man of a thousand voices. Yeah. And that, I thought that was Mel Blanc. Oh, maybe it's maybe, but I don't know if they called Sid Caesar the man of a thousand voices. But he he was known for being like he did the, a lot the of genius of accents. Of, yeah. it, he, he was accents particularly, and you see that in a lot of Mel Brooks's mm-hmm. movies. 
And that <laughs> that's why like we grew up doing like British accents, Irish accents, French accents, German, German accents, accents a lot. German accents Mostly a lot. Mostly because of Mel Brooks. Mostly because of dad. <laughs> Don't be stupid, be a smarty. Come enjoy the Nazi party. <laughs> I feel like if they had just put that on a sign in Charlottesville, I would have almost been okay with it. I would have been like, okay, you're self-aware. <laughs> I know. At least you know that you're <laughs> At as least you know as... you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hitler was a terrific painter. He could do an entire apartment in a weekend. Two, two coats. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, Mel Brooks fought in World War II. Mel Brooks is very Jewish. Yeah. And like, Mel Brooks was using humor as a cudgel against people who hated him and, and would have liked to kill him. <laughs> I know. Like, so it's one of those things that when people say that Mel Brooks's stuff is offensive, it's like stuff is offensive. Like when it punches down, like get, when you punch down, it's bad. I'm not like, always, I'm not always of the opinion that punching down is bad, not but always. it has to have, it, it, it's not about punching up or down. It's about the intention of what you're trying to do. Yeah. If you're trying to make light of a situation that, is considered quote unquote down from you. That's fair. That is, in my opinion, just as valid. Valid. Yeah. I don't want to say it's okay, but it's valid. And there are going to be people who don't like it, and that is perfectly acceptable. You are entitled to your opinion about that kind of humor. I don't think that punching down is on its face a bad thing. It does matter the context and the intention, and it matters. If if what you're doing is making light of the situation and not just making fun of someone, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and that's what it comes down to. Comedy is so nuanced. It takes such a specific type of person to know how to be an effective comedian. And there are a lot of people who ruin it for everybody else because they're not good comedians and they try to do it and it's offensive. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to because Mel Brooks punches down all the time. But it it's not in a way that that criticizes the person for the thing. It it makes light of the thing yeah. so that it makes like, it I accessible for people. A good example of that is is <laughs> fucking oh, crap. I forgot his name. The fucking uh, the director in the producers. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Roger Debris. Yes, Roger Debris. <laughs> I kept wanting to say. Um, sorry. <laughs> I kept wanting to say Gary Beach, and I was like, because no, it's like, no, no. Because the thing is, like, yes, technically that is a punch <laughs> down. And I'll be honest with you, even in the play, the dig about Shirley Markowitz did get me a little bit. I just want to point out. <laughs> but, like, Roger Debris isn't ridiculous because he's gay. He's just, he's he's ridiculous. He's flamboyant and over like, the top and crazy. <laughs> which I think is one of the reasons why the punch down doesn't feel so bad is because it's not look at this fruit it's look at this crazy person i mean there are definitely there are definitely moments, moments where in there where, where particularly zero mustel or weirdly enough nathan lane's character in the play is doing it but, like, but even i mean in in the musical you know you have moments like uh uh like when they're like darling shall we go back in the closet okay because yeah. they're hiding and then no, they it's like totally, pirouette I'm into not, the I'm closet i'm not saying that there aren't gay jokes i'm just saying yeah. the, the gay jokes never feel quite so mean-spirited like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel cruel. It feels like it's just hey this is kind of funny. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of I think especially with the Shirley Markowitz thing it's like yeah. he's joking about the stereotype of like I know, lesbian which is crew why members. I still I still love Mel. <laughs> and yes, I owned that shirt. So I know you could have you could have walked on stage they never would have known. 
Thanks. <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> All right. So we are approaching the end of this episode. Yeah. But there is I feel like we didn't one... talk about any of the movies. <laughs> I mean, we did. We talked about a lot of the movies. There's I've... always movies that made us Honestly, cry. one of these days we'll have to just do like a non-mini mini-sode about yeah. Mel Brooks. Um, a bonus-sode. We had we always like to end with some kind of like prompt or question to like or game that gets us thinking about something. And you came up with a a, a very good prompt for the end of this episode. Oh, uh, and it is if there is there oh God, I am so tired. <laughs> I can't even okay. I can't You're even read. It's gonna be all right. Uh, is there a story or type of story that you would love to see a Brooksian spoof made of? Do you think that there is like a movie or a, a short story or a novel or or any kind of like folklore story that you would love to see a parody of? I actually really would have liked to see him do a haunting movie, like a ghost. I agree. Movie. You know, it's funny. My first like, thought when you <laughs> asked the question, but when we were talking yeah. about before, is like I would love to see him do. Like the haunting of Hill House yeah, or the like Mothman something like that. or something like almost like a creature feature. Yeah, like and in the spirit of you know Young Frankenstein and, and yeah, Dracula Dead and, and loving Dead it, and like loving I it. I think that it would have worked really well. I think that like there were there are so many tropes to play with, like because that's when Mel Brooks is at his best is when he's taking mm-hmm. tropes and like shoving them in your face and going, "Isn't this stupid?" Yeah, yeah. So like the Invisible Man would have been a great. Yeah, one. the Invisible Man would have been a good one. <laughs> I, I still am constantly saying it's like what I want truly is History of the World Part 2 because we stopped at the French yeah. Revolution. <laughs> we need the second half. I want Jews in space. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> like, Jews in space. And I guess like there are some people who could probably argue that that's kind of space balls because we of course have the planet Druidia. Oh my God. We've um, never even touched <laughs> we on We didn't even talk balls. about this. She doesn't look Jewish. Come back here you fat bearded bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the best line in any Mel Brooks movie ever. I have never we can't laughed stop. so much. It's too dangerous. We have to slow down first. <laughs> Ludicrous feet. I know what what does he yell? My brains are going, <laughs> going into, into my feet. feet. <laughs> oh Spaceballs was I don't even want to say one of the most quotable. They were all quotable. Every thing, single it's one. It's like there isn't a bad one. And even like the even the lesser known ones, things like high anxiety, silent yeah. movie, like they're all good. High like, anxiety. Yeah, like, like, seriously. <laughs> like that there there isn't a bad one in the bunch. Like no. they're all funny. Like I I could have talked about this for four hours and probably not gotten to everything I wanted to say, which is largely just quoting the movies. Honestly, I wouldn't be mad if if one day we started a Patreon and we did like mini-sodes that weren't mini-sodes. <laughs> we just talk about non-spooky shit yeah. for like full-length episodes. I would not be mad at that. And if that's something you guys want to hear, please let us know because yeah. we would love to do it. And we would love for you to pay us to do it. Exactly. <laughs> In the spirit of Mel Brooks, we would love for you to pay us to do it. Um, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of like if there's a... Um, a movie that I would love to see Mel Brooks spoof. I would love to see his take on contemporary horror, like Saw or oh, like- Scream, <laughs> like one of those, or even I'm like sorry. Friday the Thirteenth. I'm just, I'm just picturing. I'm okay. <laughs> 
I can only imagine. It's just Carrie Elwes was in Saw, and he was, of course, Robin Hood and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I'm picturing him like in the Robin the Hood getup. Like in a in a in a a saw trap, just sitting there waiting patiently to be let out. I'm fine. It's okay. I just Uh, had a moment. All right, kids. I think that's that's it for this little this mini sode about our one of our very favorite people in the whole world. We love you, Mel Brooks. I know we do love you, Mel Brooks. Please don't leave us. We're not ready for you to go. Uh, don't say that. It'll be like next I week. I, I, you know, I was just Jesus. thinking, I was like, how he's terrible. He's like in his 90s. Be careful what you say. I know. I'm knocking on every piece of wood I can find. Um, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know your favorite uh, Mel Brooks movies or quotes. We love a good quote off. Yes. So please feel free and to reach out to us. And if you quote at the Twitter, us. I will quote back at you. I promise. Yes. Please send quotes to us on Twitter because we will send them yes, back. We will play back. Guaranteed. Um, so that's it. <laughs> Uh, we're done for today so until Thursday stay spoopy and remember well gentlemen I will take my leave I see Van Helsing you are a man who likes to have the last word I will not be drawn into such a childish exercise Falostoy <laughs> it is immaterial to me, who has the last word? Polotnik! It is getting late. We'll carry on this conversation at another time. Good night. Good night. Abaluza. Such arrogance. <laughs> it is easy to see why the decadent aristocracy is dying out in that part of the world. Fushta! My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from Dracula Dead and Loving It, copyright 1995, Brooks Films. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. (laughs) 